Section 3 of the Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tim Gregory. The Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 1, by Anonymous. Translated by Dr. Jonathan Scott. Section 3. The Merchant and the Genie. There was formerly a merchant who possessed much property in lands, goods, and money, and had a great number of clerks, factors, and slaves. He was obliged from time to time to visit his correspondence on business. And one day, being under the necessity of going a long journey on an affair of importance, he took horse, and carried with him a wallet containing biscuits and dates, because he had a great desert to pass over, where he could procure no sorts of provisions. He arrived without any incident at the end of his journey, and having dispatched his affairs, took horse again in order to return home. The fourth day of his journey, he was so much incommoded by the heat of the sun that the reflection of that heat from the earth, that he turned out of the road to refresh himself under some trees. He found at the root of a large tree a fountain of very clear running water. Having alighted, he tied his horse to a branch, and sitting down by the fountain, took some biscuits and dates out of his wallet. As he ate his dates, he threw the shells carelessly in different directions. When he had finished his repast, being a good Muslim, he washed his hands, face, and feet, and said his prayers. Before he had finished, and while he was yet on his knees, he saw a genie, white with age, and of monstrous bulk, advancing toward him with a scimitar in his hand. The genie spoke to him in a terrible voice, Rise, that I may kill thee with this scimitar, as thou hast killed my son, and accompanied these words with a frightful cry. The merchant, being as much alarmed at the hideous shape of the monster as at his threatening language, answered him, trembling, Alas, my good lord, of what crime can I be guilty toward you, that you should take away my life? I will, replied the genie, kill thee as thou hast killed my son. "'Heavens!' exclaimed the merchant. "'How could I kill your son? "'I never knew, and never saw him.' "'Did you not sit down when you came hither?' demanded the genie. "'Did you not take dates out of your wallet? "'And as you ate them, did you not throw the shells about in different directions?' "'I did all that you say,' answered the merchant. "'I cannot deny it.' "'If it be so,' resumed the genie, "'I tell thee that thou hast killed my son, and in this manner.' When thou wert throwing the shells about, my son was passing by, and thou didst throw one into his eye, which killed him. Therefore I must kill thee. Oh, my lord, pardon me, cried the merchant. No pardon, exclaimed the genie. No mercy. Is it not just to kill him that has killed another? I agree that it is, replied the merchant. "'But certainly I never killed your son, and if I have, it was unknown to me, and I did it innocently. "'I beg you, therefore, to pardon me, and suffer me to live.' "'No, no,' returned the genie, persisting in his resolution. "'I must kill thee, since thou hast killed my son.' "'Then, taking the merchant by the arm, he threw him with his face on the ground, "'and lifted up his scimitar to cut off his head. "'The merchant, with tears, protested he was innocent, bewailed his wife and children, and supplicated the genie in the most moving expressions. 
The genie, with his scimitar still lifted up, had the patience to hear his unfortunate victims to the end of his lamentations, but he would not relent. All this whining, said the monster, is to no purpose. Though you should shed tears of blood, they would not hinder me from killing thee as thou hast killed my son. What? exclaimed the merchant. Can nothing prevail with you? Will you absolutely take away the life of a poor innocent? Yes, replied the genie. I am resolved. As soon as she had spoken these words, perceiving it was day, and knowing that the sultan rose early in the morning to say his prayers and hold his counsel, Scheherazade discontinued her story. Dear sister, said Dinarzad, what a wonderful story this is. The remainder of it, replied Scheherazade, is more surprising, and you will be of this opinion, if the sultan will but permit me to live over this day, and allow me to proceed with the relation of the ensuing night. Shariar, who had listened to Scheherazade with much interest, said to himself, I will wait till tomorrow, for I can at any time put her to death when she has concluded her story. Having thus resolved not to put Scheherazade to death that day, he rose and went to his prayers, and to attend his council. During this time the Grand Vizier was in utmost distress. Instead of sleeping he spent the night in sighs and groans bewailing the lot of his daughter, of whom he believed he should himself shortly be the executioner. As, with this melancholy prospect before him, he dreaded to meet the Sultan, he was agreeably surprised when he found the prince enter the council chamber without giving him the fatal orders he expected. The sultan, according to his custom, spent the day in regulating his affairs, and when the night had closed in, retired with Shahrazad. The next morning before day, Dinarjad failed not to call to her sister, My dear sister, if you be not asleep, I pray you till daybreak, which is very near, to go on with the story you began last night. The sultan, without waiting for Scheherazade to ask his permission, bade her proceed with the story of the genie and the merchant, upon which Scheherazade continued her relation as follows. F.N. In the original work, Scheherazade continually breaks off to ask the sultan to spare her life for another day, that she may finish the story she is relating. As these interruptions considerably interfere with the continued interest of the stories, it has been deemed advisable to omit them. When the merchant saw that the genie was going to cut off his head, he cried aloud to him, For heaven's sake, hold your hand! Allow me one word! Have the goodness to grant me some respite, to bid my wife and children adieu, to divest my estate among them by will, that they may not go to law after my death. When I have done this, I will come back and submit to whatever you shall please to command. But, said the genie, if I grant you the time you ask, I doubt you will never return. If you will believe my oath, answered the merchant, I swear by all that is sacred that I will come and meet you here without fail. What time do you require, then? demanded the genie. I ask a year, said the merchant. I cannot, in less, settle my affairs and prepare myself to die without regret. But I promise you that this day, twelve months, I will return under these trees, to put myself into your hands. Do you take heaven to be witness to this promise? said the genie. I do, answered the merchant, and you may rely upon my oath. Upon this the genie left him near the fountain and disappeared. 
The merchant, being recovered from his terror, mounted his horse, and proceeded on his journey, glad on the one hand that he escaped so great a danger, but grieved on the other when he reflected on his fatal oath. When he reached home, his wife and children received him with all the demonstrations of perfect joy. But he, instead of returning their caresses, wept so bitterly that his family apprehended something calamitous had befallen him. His wife inquired the reason of his excessive grief and tears. "'We are all overjoyed,' said she, "'at your return. But you alarm us by your lamentations. Pray tell us the cause of your sorrow.' "'Alas!' replied the husband, "'I have but a year to live.' He then related what had passed betwixt him and the genie, and informed her that he had given him his oath to return at the end of the year, to receive death from his hands." When they heard this afflicting intelligence, they all began to lament in the most distressing manner. His wife uttered the most piteous cries, beat her face, and tore her hair. The children, all in tears, made the house resound with their groans, and the father, not being able to resist the impulse of nature, mingled his tears with theirs, so that, in a word, they exhibited the most affecting spectacle possible. On the following morning the merchant applied himself to put his affairs in order, and first of all to pay his debts. He made presents to his friends, gave liberal alms to the poor, set his slaves of both sexes at liberty, divided his property among his children, appointed guardians for that such of them as were not of age, and after restoring to his wife all that was due her by their marriage contract, he gave her in addition as much as the law would allow him. At last the year expired, and he was obliged to depart. He put his burial clothes in his wallet, but when he came to bid his wife and children adieu, their grief surpassed description. They could not reconcile their minds to the separation, but resolved to go and die with him. When, however, it became necessary for him to tear himself from these dear objects, he addressed them in the following terms. My dear wife and children, I obey the will of heaven in quitting you, Follow my example, submit with fortitude to this necessity, and consider that it is the destiny of man to die. Having thus spoke, he went out of the hearing of the cries of his family, and pursuing his journey, arrived on the day appointed at the place where he had promised to meet the genie. He alighted, and seating himself down by the fountain, waited the coming of the genie with all the sorrow imaginable. Whilst he languished under this painful expectation, an old man, leading a hind, appeared and drew near him. After they had saluted one another, the old man said to him, "'Brother, may I ask why you are come into this desert place, which is possessed solely by evil spirits, and where, consequently, you cannot be safe? From the beautiful trees which are seen here, one might indeed suppose the place inhabited, but it is in reality a wilderness, where it can be dangerous to remain long. The merchant satisfied his curiosity and related to him the adventure which obliged him to be there. The old man listened with astonishment, and when he had done exclaimed, This is the most surprising thing in the world, and you are bound by the most inviolable oath. However, I will be the witness of your interview with the genie. He then seated himself by the merchant, and they entered into conversation. But I see day, said Sherazad, and must leave off, yet the best of the story is to come. The Sultan, resolving to hear the end of it, suffered her to live that day also. 
The next morning, Dinarjad made the same request to her sister as before. My dear sister, said she, if you be not asleep, tell me one of the pleasant stories that you have read. But the sultan, wishing to learn what followed betwixt the merchant and the genie, bade her proceed with that, which she did as follows. Sir, while the merchant and the old man who led the hind were conversing, they saw another old man coming towards them, followed by two black dogs. And after they had saluted one another, he asked them what they did in that place. The old man with the hind told him the adventure of the merchant and genie, with all that had passed between them, particularly the merchant's oath. He added that it was the day agreed on, and that he was resolved to stay and see the issue. The second old man, thinking it was also worth his curiosity, resolved to do the same, and took his seat beside them. They had scarcely begun to converse together when there arrived a third old man leading a mule. He addressed himself to the two former, and asked why the merchant who sat with them looked so melancholy. They told him the reason, which appeared to him so extraordinary, that he also resolved to witness the result, for that purpose sat down with them. In a short time they perceived a thick vapor, like a cloud of dust raised by a whirlwind advancing toward them. When it had come to them, it suddenly vanished, and the genie appeared, who, without saluting them, went to the merchant with a drawn scimitar, and taking him by the arm, said, Get thee up, that I may kill thee as thou didst my son. The merchant and the three old men began to lament and fill the air with their cries. When the old man who led the hind saw the genie lay hold of the merchant and about to kill him, he threw himself at the feet of the monster, and kissing them, said, Prince of genies! I most humbly request you to suspend your anger and do me the favor to hear me. I will tell you the history of my life, and of the hind you see, and if you think it more wonderful and surprising than the adventure of the merchant, I hope you will pardon the unfortunate man a third of his offense. The genie took some time to deliberate on this proposal, but answered at last, Well then, I agree. End of section 3 Recording by Tim Gregory, Seattle, Washington.